Welcome to another epic episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we will learn how to become profitable as filmmakers. And guys, it will mean the world to me if you leave a five-star review and subscribe to this channel for more awesome content. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? This is Kazi. Welcome to another live. And today I'm talking about something that is very interesting because it takes time. Okay, we're going to be talking about how to overcome that eye fatigue when you're color grading, when you're just staring at the screen nonstop. We're going to be talking about how to overcome that when you're just staring at the screen and that's your job day in and day out. Um, I'm going to take you through a bunch of different things uh, that you can do to change that and you know train your eye if you will and then there's tons of questions that came in from you guys which are not 100% related to this particular problem they're still going to be beneficial and it's going to be interesting so I'm going to be covering those as well it's also going to be there's going to be a lot of common sense things but trust me the common sense things are easy for those that are in the field that are doing this in day in and day out when I started out it wasn't that easy right I mean you're just always stumbling on to things like you're just having these discoveries nonstop. So my purpose with this, especially because I'm self-taught as a colorist, my purpose is to always just like think out loud, say all the things that I do and in hopes that it can help somebody else, not necessarily letting people know that I know everything. That's not true. I'm learning every day. But this is more of just sort of like, hey, I found this. It helped try it. So that's the purpose. That's the name of the game. So <clears throat> once again, everybody that's joining right now, we're going to be talking about uh, how to overcome eye fatigue when you're color grading uh, nonstop. Um, if you're editing, we're going to stick with color grading, but that can go for editing or anybody who's just sitting in front of the screen, anybody in post-production, you guys know um, what I'm talking about. So Nick just said, my eyes are tired. So, so are mine, man. And you got to stop making comments about, I need to get some sleep because Last night, I literally slept for not even four hours. And the culprit was, don't F with cats. I finally watched that. Like, I've been watching documentaries, so things are just popping up. And I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot. And I watched Don't F with Cats. Oh, my God. Like, I wanted to watch just one episode and then go to sleep. And then after the first episode, second episode, after the second episode, the third episode. And I'm like, what is going on in the world? Like... What happened to those docu PBS documentaries? Jake said it's so good. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, documentaries? Listen, I love nonfiction. I know we shouldn't be talking about this. We should stick with the agenda, but who cares? Nonfiction is my subject. Nonfiction is my thing, okay? If I'm going to get a second to watch something, I will either watch soccer. If I'm caught up with soccer, then it's going to be nonfiction. Because the way my brain works is that I want to learn something that I can talk about. Like I wanna, that's real, that's, you know, factual. Uh, that's just how my brain works. So I'm just like, I'm gonna watch it. It was amazing. Anybody who hasn't seen Don't F With Cats, go check it out. Anyone who hasn't seen Night Stalker on Netflix, go check it out. Now I have to say out of all the documentaries that I've been watching recently, Night Stalker has the best color. Like whoever did the grade on that, I should actually look them up, I should know this killed it 
as a matter of fact, I'm going to look it up after this live and I'm going to try to reach out to them and bring them live because we need to have more discussions about documentary grading as well. And if you agree, drop a comment below. All right, guys, let's jump into it. Enough, you know, yeah, enough with like going off tangents. So how to avoid color grading fatigue or eye fatigue. Um, my number one tip is going to be what you see in the back. Control your environment, okay? Start by controlling your environment. So the first thing that I did when I moved here is paint my room dark. Uh, the darker, the better, okay? It doesn't need to be black, although I listened to a couple of episodes with uh, uh, Team Deacon, and Roger Deacons talks about, like, you know, sitting with his colorist and working on projects where their rooms are pitch black. So I think that's okay. You can have it pure black, but I wouldn't recommend that because that would just make me depressed. So I went with this, you know, epic slate green, gray, like, but even darker, like more like a charcoal dark gray. It's like the color of the asphalt. So everything just kind of pops, like the black pops on it, the gray pops on it. Like you throw anything on it and it just pops. So I love it. Uh, so went with that and this can help you. Okay. Because like I said, you want to start with controlling your environment. So you want something that can just kind of take the focus away from the peripherals and like the surroundings and puts your focus on what you're looking at on the screen. 18% gray, gray for the geeks, you know, like if you go to Home Depot and just tell them you're looking for 18% gray, they'll hook you up. They know what's up, so they'll hook you up. Second thing, so talking about controlling your environment, ambient lighting. Okay, you see right now there's a daylight coming through the window. I don't recommend that. When you're grading, any sort of light or any sort of light pollution that basically uh, you see on your screen, anything that you see on your screen, any reflections is going to throw off your grade. Okay, it doesn't matter because your screen will absorb whatever it can and then it'll reflect something that is not 100% accurate as it, it would have been if you didn't have that light coming through. So try to avoid all of that. Now, I'm talking about these things giving you like a benefit of the doubt that you can control your environment. Some people might be living in a studio. Some people might be just starting out and they're living with their parents. Situation is going to be different, but I'm just giving you a heads up what you need to actually control that eye fatigue. Okay. So kill that. Like when you're grading, you don't need that. So that's the second thing. Control your ambient lighting and keep the room dark. Now talking about ambient lighting, let's move on to the next thing. One of the most useful things that you can have in your room is a dimmer, okay? And what I mean by that is when I'm grading, I don't grade in pitch black. That's just not how I work, okay? That's just too much. So I bring the lights, like the lights are still on. I don't, yeah, you guys can see it, right? Like the lights are still on, but it's just a hint. It's all the way down. It's all the way lowered, like, you know, as, as low as it can go, and it just sits there. So even when I'm grading, I'm not like going like this if I'm not on my screen. I can actually look around, I can check out everything, and then I can just go back to working. So it's just a touch. It doesn't really pollute anything like, you know, my screen or anything like that. It doesn't reflect off of my screen. It's just enough to kind of, you know, don't make me go freaking nuts because I'm just, you know, running into things. So that's very important, like having a dimmer and set the lights all the way to the bottom. Now, you don't need to go too far and get like 6,500 6, Kelvin bulbs and go that nuts. Like, no, these are regular 3,200. No, they're not 3,200. They're 2,800. So they're like bright white. I think that's what they're called. So they're 2,800 Kelvin. I just bring them down all the way. 
keep it there. All right, moving on to the next thing, bias lighting. So first time I heard that term bias lighting, I was just like, well, what does that mean? And bias lighting is this strip, this light that goes behind your reference monitor, the monitor that you're using to grade. You can get, I wouldn't say get off-brand bias lighting, it'll drive you crazy because it'll flicker and it'll be a cheap light and it will actually hurt your eyes than actually helping you. So I will highly recommend going with uh, uh, a company called Media Light or basically Flanders Scientific. You can go to Flanders Scientific, type in Media Light, and it's gonna pop up a bias lighting, or you can Google Media Light bias lighting, and it'll take you to the link where you can buy it. Uh, I believe you can pick it up from BNH, Amazon, Flanders Scientific, and I'm sure there's other places where you can get that from. So definitely get that, slap it behind your monitor, and the purpose of that light is, once again, to not have your entire room so pitch black, it can evenly distribute the light right behind your monitor. And then you just get this like a nice gentle halo, like right behind your screen. So it just helps like soothes your eyes a little bit. Okay, so you don't go from like bright screen to nothingness. There's a, like a little gradual shift. That's what it's doing, the bias lighting is doing. Not to mention that a proper bias lighting will keep calibrating your eyes, okay? If your room is 18% or charcoal gray like this, if your room is dark, then you got that light, it's gonna, that's, that's you know, what the, basically the color of the screen would be. So it will, you know, keep your white balance proper when you're working. So bias lighting is very important. Another thing is, and this is gonna be a little costly um, option, but better monitor, you guys have to, because trust me, uh, Working on monitors when I was first starting out and it's like anything and everything, whatever I had, my God, like I wanted to bleed like from my eyes, like literally just blood coming through my eyes. I could not look like I had to squint and do all these things. There is a reason why monitors can get so expensive. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that are happening under the hood that we don't even know. We don't care to know, you know. So getting a good monitor can help. Now, lucky for all of us, technology is getting cheaper by the day. So a good monitor, like the ones that I usually mention, which is the bottom of the totem pole in terms of the price, but best bang for the buck is the LG UL600 or 650K or U. If you can find one of those, those are great starting monitors right out of the box. Colors are pretty good. You can leave it in default and most importantly, it won't really kill your eyes. Like it will help you with that. But obviously when you spend the amount of money that I've spent on the screens, it's freaking nuts. Like what this area, like how much money I spent on my screens, but I just, I, I won't take it back. I have absolutely zero regrets. So remember that, like, you know, get a better monitor. Short breaks, short breaks are very important. Trust me on this. Like you have to just sometimes walk away, but short break means short break. That doesn't mean half an hour, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. That's gonna break the flow. You never wanna break the flow, right? So talking about breaking the flow, let's just you know deviate from this really quick and talk about that. So most of you guys know, like, you know, my mom had a surgery, I had to go to Chicago. So it I was there for a month and now I came back. I still am fighting to get back in my flow. Like once that I took that one month off to be there for my mom and I came back. It's taking, it's impossible. Like look at the YouTube videos, right? Like I used to, I was putting out two videos a week. Now I'm barely putting one video a week. I'm gonna be putting one tomorrow. So get excited about that. But 
it's been freaking struggle. So you never, never, never want to break the flow. So same thing goes when you're grading. When I say short breaks, five minutes, just two minutes, like a minute, walk away, bathroom break, quick break, come back, go get water, come back, take a quick walk, reset your white balance, come back, you know, and then just, you know, go back at it. Don't walk into a neon lit room because that's going to mess up with your entire like, you know, white balance in your head. Then you're going to come back and everything is going to look weird. Go outside for two minutes, come back. So short breaks are very important. And then another thing is like, this is not a joke. This is a real thing. A freaking go see an optometrist. Like you might have a bad eyesight if you just have the hardest time grading. Now, I know Brian from FCM, my Brazilian Brian, that dude had some issues, you know, uh, he had crazy eye fatigue. He would just like reach out to me all the time and he'd be like, Kazi, how do you grade, you know, for more than two or three hours? Like my brain is just going nuts. Like I can't do it. Like, so I gave him all the suggestions, blah, blah, blah. And then finally what ended up happening is that he just needed a, um, he needed glasses. He got prescription glasses and everything is perfectly fine. So uh, you wouldn't know if you're getting headaches and if you just can't, like it's, it's almost impossible to stare at the screen for more than like two, three hours, you know, you might need to go and, you know, get help, like go see somebody and it, you probably just need glasses and then that can solve that problem. Now, be careful for those that want to just get like protection glasses. Like, you know, they make those like where it's just like, oh, protect your eyesight, get the glasses. I've tried that. I've, take, I've used them for 15 minutes. I took them off. I never looked back. Why? Glass itself, even if it's not tinted, has a tiny tint. And when you're a colorist, you catch on those things. When you're a colorist, you just catch on the slightest hint when your perfect white balance goes from what it's supposed to look like to a hint of like green. You're like, yo, that's like negative two you know, green, like that's a tint. Like I feel the tint, that's not right. And I felt it as soon as I put on glass, like my glasses and I took them off, I put them on, I took them off, put them on. I'm just like, there is a massive difference. Like that just can't happen. Like I cannot grade with these particular glasses on. So, you know, I'm sure there was no tint on my glass. I'm sure they weren't polarized. So maybe I got a lemon, but that is a true story that like that was a big thing for me. So I put those away uh, because I have a knock on wood. I have a, you know, 2020 eyesight. So I didn't need glasses. I just went back to, you know, taking my chances. And then here's here's my other tip. And then after that, I'm going to get into the Q&A section. And that is if you want to overcome this eye fatigue, you know, it, it, it's no different than building stamina. How do you build stamina? You work out daily or you run daily and then you get better and better and better as time goes on. We see all these epic colors from company three and they only get better. Like Brian Smaller, Tom Poole, Ty Roth, Jill. You look at these guys, their work is only getting better each day, every day, right? Matt Osborne, like they're just phenomenal. Why? Practice. So this is no different. If you really want to strengthen that muscle, and now how do I know this? After going to see an optometrist, I went in to see if there was anything wrong with it, just a routine check. 
the dude did some jiggery pokery, did his things, and then he just came out. He's like, holy hell, dude. He's like, there's something crazy happening. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, the way you pick up patterns and the way the things that you see and like what I'm seeing by just looking at the results of everything, like all the testing and everything that he's done, he's like, it's crazy. It's insane. Like your eyes are just like so much more trained and can resist like strain than like an average person. So that's not just me. That's probably people that just, you know, grade and look at the screen like that, but are not doing it the wrong way. So if you keep all these measures in mind, like everything that we talked about, all these steps, you're protecting yourself. Okay. And uh, what I would suggest is grade four hours a day for 21 days. I don't care if you have time, if you don't have time, blah, blah, blah. If this is an issue for you, if this is a problem and you're constantly dealing with it, you will love me. Just grade four hours a day for 21 days. Maybe take the weekends off. You can take the weekends off, but like just grade for 21 days total, four hours each. Um, and you will see a massive difference. Once again, just like when you run, your stamina gets better. You're going to feel that you're going to just notice a huge shift, huge jump. So these are all the tips. This video is going to be going on IGTV. I will highly recommend you guys going back and kind of watching it if you miss something, because it's all these things that you got to keep in mind and uh, apply to see a difference. Okay. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Like, I mean, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, it, it's all these little things that we got to do and we got to put together to make something special. Now I want to jump into the questions. And like I said, they're not necessarily related to this topic, but they're interesting questions. So let's just talk about it. Rapid fire round. And then I'm going to take some stuff that's coming in in here too. So love the engagement. Love you guys. Stay here. Let's go through some questions. So first question is Kazi pick one red Komodo uh, pocket 6k pro or Sony FX three. Now, the right question would be which one for which application. So if you are looking for beautiful stuff, staged, you know, setup, setup, and you just want to get the best of the best, like in terms of the, you know, quality, Red Komodo, hands down, become part of that ecosystem. It's the ecosystem that's not going anywhere. And once you grow and you buy better gear, you'll, you'll be familiar with like how the big boys work with these crazy expensive cameras that are amazing. So Red Komodo for that. Pocket 6K Pro, if you just have, if you don't have a lot of money and you want to have like a banger studio setup where you can just like have some help and set up a camera and shoot, Pocket 6K Pro, okay? That's for, it will require an additional body or two because it's not, it doesn't do autofocus unless they change that. And it's like, it just, those cameras are just more like a studio cameras for me personally. Sony FX3 is the Gorilla Filmmaker's dream. Uh, if you have the Sony A7S 3 which I do, is sitting right there. I think you guys can see that. Sony A7S 3 then this is made for filmmakers. So Sony AS3, A7S 3 is basically a hybrid cam. This FX3 is just more targeted toward filmmakers. Excellent choice, you know, one and done. Like, perfect cam for running and gunning. You're good to go. For So that's for the cameras. Now, somebody asked... What's the difference between log and raw? And, you know, so, again, if, if you know it, great. But the main difference between log and raw is that one gives you the ability to change the temperature, change the metadata. One gives you the ability. Raw gives you the ability to change the metadata. I can go in and I can change the ISO natively uh, as if it was shot that way. I can go change the temperature. 
I can do a bunch of these little things, temp and tint, that kind of stuff natively. Again, like it was shot with those settings in camera. So that is massive. And usually that's considered like the end all be all when it comes to color grading something, you wanna get your hands on raw stuff. So you have all the range and all the things to play around with. That said, when you're working with professionals, it's not the end of the deal. Majority of the time when I'm working, I'm working with log instead of raw. And that's because that's my preferred method. Like I'm doing a lot of global work. So like, or working remotely. So work, work is coming in from all over the place. So I just created a technique and a PDF that I send to clients where they know how to create this bacon blade process give me footage that's going to be lossless. I can bring it into Resolve, you know, chop it up with EDL, open it and then grade it. And there is no frame shifting or, or repos or anything like that. We can just like minimize all those issues, get stuff done, be efficient. And log is basically like where it's just, it looks like raw without the ability of like changing those, that metadata. Okay. So that's the difference. Uh, let's see. I would like to know career opportunities and future for DaVinci Resolve. So there's a question like, I would like to know career opportunities and future importance for DaVinci Resolve. So DaVinci Resolve is not going anywhere. You guys know that. Like, I mean, it's here to stay. Uh, it's only becoming more and more popular because all these cameras are shooting in log. So the traditional cameras that you got or, or the traditional software that you got, Premiere Pro, Final Cut 10, whatever, they're just not robust enough. They're not finishing tools. All right, they're editors first, they're offline editors, and then you have to pass the footage off to, you know, an online editor, which would be Baselight, you know, DaVinci Resolve, Luster, and that kind of thing, right? Flame. So, I mean, that's, that's just the difference. So a lot of people are not just jumping into DaVinci Resolve because it was a finishing tool first, but now they're kicking. But like when it comes to editing and ingesting and all those other things, so it's becoming a one-stop shop. It's not going anywhere. And if you jump on it now, you'll have a much better chance like just landing, you know, crazy gigs. Uh, you'll be secure. How to color grade a Fujifilm look without being a LUT B. Um, all right, so for that one, it's funny, but you know, you guys have seen me use LUTs. I, you might think that I hate LUTs. I don't hate LUTs at all. I think I'm a massive fan of film LUTs. I just don't like LUTs that you can find, you know, that that fall off the, you know, back of the truck, like those kind of LUTs. Like, you know, everybody's got like a $5 LUT pack and then you go look at their color grading and they don't even know how to spell color grading. So, you know, I'm not taking shots at anybody, but I'm just saying like that is the thing that I'm not about. But when it comes to companies like Film Convert, like I work with Film Convert. If you get my FCM, you get 30 to 35% off. I think 30% off, you get the economic discount uh, being part of FCM uh, through Film Convert. So I'm super tight with the, the CEO of Film Convert. So like, you know, I, I love that product. I use that product. There's other tools that I use that give me a really good uh, film LUT with tons of controls, you know, where I can it basically just like Film Convert, where I can upload, you know, uh, proper conversion, whatever camera I'm using, and then throw in a LUT, feed that in, and then go from there. So I'm not, I don't hate it. it uh, so, you know, like, let's get that out of the way. It's just that you need to be using the right LUTs, proper LUTs. Tom Pool is on. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I'm trying to get Tom Pool on, and he said he's working on the schedule. So that's, hopefully that's going to be happening soon. I'm pumped about that.
Do you know a fast way to isolate a color? The fastest way to isolate a color is by properly balancing your image. And I um, genuinely use printer lights for that reason. So if you do temp and tint printer lights, I mean, you will be amazed to like how much you can separate uh, just by doing those. So I'm uh, get your popcorn ready. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that just to kind of get everything in the ballpark, get as much color separation, um, separation on the Luma values, and then we can go in and isolate each part and just go from there. So that is the fastest way to do it. It's always the basic stuff. People try to overcomplicate everything. They're, they usually just jump in and they'll barely touch their image and then they have seven you know nodes that is isolating each element and it's doing a subpar job because you didn't do the prep work before you start qualifying things so keep it simple always keep it simple do skin tones always have to be right even in pushed lighting conditions that's not true they don't need to because again just go to company three page and just look at all their stuff right and anytime they're using mixed lighting you will notice that they just kind of let it fall, like let it blend in, let the skin become part of it, like part of the thing, right? So it doesn't, it looks very cheap when you just all day, every day, isolate the skin and make the skin look perfect on a neon light, like neon pink light or something like that. That's just not common. So watch, um, you know, I mean, Tom Poole graded uh, Drive. So think about the movie Drive or watch it. And everybody talks about it as like it's one of the better looking movies or, um, uh, you know, even the show Euphoria, again, that he graded. If you look at that, how everything just kind of it's there. Like it, maybe he's trying to pull it out a little bit. I mean, I haven't graded it. He did. But at the same time, you just let it become part of the environment. You don't you don't overdo anything like with color grading. I always tell people that don't over engineer, don't overcook anything like the stuff that is really good compared to the stuff that's kind of looks cheap is how was it shot in the beginning? How well was it prepped? Like when you look at Deacon's process and when he talks about like Mitch Paulson and Deacon's like their technique, even if you think about a movie 1917, the sky just kind of goes up there, right? Like, I mean, it's not all the way keyed in and like brought down sky replacements, blah, blah. It just kind of lives there. Like you see it and you're like, okay, this is what I would see with my own eyes, sort of. So you, you have to be mindful of that, you know, just kind of let those things breathe it's okay like if the skin goes a little bit to the you know i just finished a music video yesterday and it, all the scenes in the bathroom you know she's about to do something really you know undoable something really crazy i built the whole scene with this crazy this nasty greens green undertone sort of like joker so i kind of took it in that direction and then once we went there i kind of just let the skin tones live in that like you know a little bit of sickly feel like i didn't want it to pull her out and make her look beautiful i'm like she needs to it, the whole scene needs to like exude like what's going on so it's more like we're serving to the story more than just like oh i know how to key my skin you know let me make the skin look perfect so that's a long-winded answer but you guys know what i'm talking about so i mean tom pool said that roger shoots throughout the lut or through the lut he uses for the final grade. So, I mean, that is unreal. Like, I mean, if that's the case, like basically when I brought on Jill and what she said that, hey, 
we would, like Lauren Scher would come in, we'll cook up a lot, and then we tried it because they wanted to shoot digital for Joker, but they wanted a film look. So she said we did some experiments back and forth, and then with the help of her dad and all that, she cooked up this LUT that they put into the camera and then shot Joker, and then that's what basically the end result is. Obviously, you're going to go in and you're going to balance everything and do all those things, but that's kind of mind-boggling to hear like what you know Tom Poole just said, that like this is what Deacons is doing, and I've heard that before, but it's kind of insane that that's like the main process. Like, I mean, you pre-built the LUT or the look, then you go show lot, and then you go shoot the entire thing. You bring it back, you make some adjustments, and then you kick it out. Like when I brought on the colorist of uh, Game of Thrones, Scott, and we were talking about it, and he said that they had two days to grade the entire episode. So, I mean, that kind of gives you the idea of, like, how many different color palettes we have. Like, we're in Winterfell, we're in King's Landing, like, all that stuff. But two days. I mean, come on. Like, for a show like that, and it looks so good. So... Uh, there's, uh, that's what, you know, that's the kind of jiggery pokery they're going through. Then that's what they're doing. All right. So let's, uh, take some more questions. So, I mean, Gabi just asked, are there advantages of bringing the colorist as early as possible disadvantages? I mean, that's what we just talked about, right? Like how Tom just said, Jesus, Tom just said he graded drive in two days. All right. So that, that's just. I mean, I don't know. This is like the ultimate mic drop. That is unfreaking real. But so, yes, there's a huge advantage, Gabi, um, to bringing on a colorist, you know, early on. And that's just becoming like the go to thing, especially in Hollywood. And I feel like people that are not even two 20 hour days, it's insane, man. So, I mean, even like technically like four days, four agency days, it's unreal. That's crazy. Big advantage. And I feel like people should start doing that. I will say, even if you are working with a shoestring budget sort of situation, get in the habit of bringing on your colorist, you know, uh, bringing your colorist on board early on and just like start bouncing some ideas back and forth. Because what Tom just said, like, this is the way where the world is headed, right? Like, I mean, you're not going to get days and days to do something. You're just going to have a little bit of time and you got to make it, you know, worth their while and you got to get it done. So instead of like pulling your hair out, like it just makes your life a lot easier if you just prep beforehand and then go in. All right. So how do you know if you've gone too far with the grade or when to uh, take a step back? So my strategy in that case is always push it too far then bring it back, right? So just go too far. So now you go, okay, I cracked the image. That is too much. Then you just keep bringing it back and then hold it there. And I've learned it the hardest way. And I'm saying this because my grades always just felt so flat in the beginning. It was just so weird. Like every time I would grade something, anything looks better compared to log, right? So when I'm in like my, you know, colorist seat, I'm grading something. It looks freaking phenomenal. I print it. I watch it next to other stuff and I just go, my God, like it's desaturated. Skin tones are not looking right. Like the contrast is just not there. What is going on? It, it was just like that for the longest time. And then I kind of broke out of it by developing that mindset where it's just like, I'm going to go way too far. Like I'm going to go too far. Then I'm going to keep pulling back, pulling back, you know, uh, you know, peeling off the freaking onion, right? Like, I mean, just get to a point where you just go this and then you move on. So that's my strategy for that. I feel like you will know. Once you start doing that, 
uh, you will develop an eye where you will know this is too much, this is not enough. And obviously have references, right? That's why I always talk about references. Like, you know, you're, you're creating a specific look from a music video, look at that music video, look at your grade, that music video, your grade, bring that into resolve, like line them up and just look at it back and forth to see how far you are, how close you are, all those things, because you can't just, you know, I mean, you can in a certain way. Like if I know I want a certain teal and I want a certain orange and I want my skins here, like I can use vector scope to kind of dial those things in and then those become my go-to colors. Like I have my go-to sky colors for summer sky, winter sky, all that stuff. But even then it helps to just go the extra mile, bring in something that you really like and then just make sure that, okay, I needed a little bit more saturation. I need to swing the hue a little bit and I need to bring the lum you know, luminance down a little bit and now the sky is perfect or now this thing is perfect, let's move on. So that's why it's uh, really helpful to do that. All right, so one of my FCM members um, is saying, like it's not really a question, like he, he's saying after a long time seeing a monitor, my eyes are tricking, basically playing tricks on me. He's like, I rely on my scopes and that's very true. And that's why you gotta do all the things we talked about. So brother, you need to go back and watch all of that, like, you know, watch this entire live and kind of see what I was talking about and then implement those things because you gotta do X, Y, and Z, all those things on the list to not let that happen. And yes, relying on scopes is a pretty good tool, but honestly, if you have a good monitor, that's why these crazy monitors cost so much money. So this BVM HX310, most of you guys already know, it's like a $35,000 monitor. The thing about this is that I'm not a prisoner to my scopes anymore. Like, yes, I need to look at them and make sure my black points and everything is good, but whatever I see here is just how it should be. Like, this is the ultimate tool that I have to just make sure that, okay, it looks great here. There's a little hint of green, little hint of, you know, magenta, blah, blah, blah. This is what I want. That's what it looks like. And then I just like look at the scopes to kind of make sure that from shot to shot, like, you know, the balance is right and everything. And then boom, just go print it. So it does pay to invest in a monitor. Okay, so this is a good question. Uh, should grading looks natural or depends on the situation? You answered your own question. Depends on the situation, right? Um, I will say, so this is, this is a ignorant statement. I hate natural look. I hate it. I'm going to try to stylize it as much as I can. But that said, uh, there's going to be times, majority of the time, the bread and butter gigs are natural looks. These guys freak the F out if you give them something over the top. So, I mean, I'm not going to name any companies, but, you know, I'm grading commercials for these you would think that these guys know what they're doing. They're they're shooting with the best cameras out there and then you're grading something and you're handing it off to them and they just go, well, can you make it look like how it looked through my eyes when I was on set? And I guess there's nothing wrong with it, but you, it kind of defeats the purpose to bringing a colorist on board because you can just drop, you know, the, the manufacturer's Rec. 709 LUT and then call it a day. Rec. 2020 LUT, depending on where the media is going and then just call it a day. You know, so I feel like you said it, it depends on the situation. You're working on a documentary. You're probably going to do a natural look, although that's all changing. Like I said, Night Stalkers on Netflix or Night Stalker on Netflix, beautiful grade, looks like, you know, some of the best movies that are out there, some of the best commercials that are out there. It looks great. So, I mean, they just, they went, ran with it and it stands out. They made a statement. Any advice for juggling a nine to five and uh, color grading? You know, 
it's tough and i've been there um i was dumb enough to just kind of make myself get fired and come out of the 9 to 5 because i just couldn't do it anymore but i got lucky to then find you know sustain like sustain a freelance career and just find consistent work but that is tough that's hard and i don't um i don't suggest that to anyone i feel like it's never good to go cold turkey on anything like always take your time so i would say 9 to 5 then you spend 2 hours 3 hours with your family and you spend 2 to 3 hours on your side hustle um that's if you don't want to go too crazy the way i did it is that it was 9 to 5 1 hour with the family and then 6 to 2 a.m. like no joke like was just working on my stuff that was like side gigs you know shorts digitizing tapes getting paid 250 bucks you know a, a week but it was just some money on the side um and uh editing and grading wedding videos whatever i had to do to just make extra money to to get the gear that i needed to play around with it get better at my skill set and just like basically not have any uh excuses or not have any um um friction you know in my work so like once i spent that money once i had all those things i just kept going so i made that happen that way and i feel like you can do it i think you can do it it's just a question of are you ready to do it are you willing to do it are you motivated enough to do it and if you're going to stick to something my two cents are going to be uh don't stop don't don't go for a sprint go for a marathon as gary v and everybody says like you know like life is a marathon right so so have that mindset like don't run until you pass out jog but go further you know so that's the kind of mindset that i would say keep in the back of your head um if you had to pick between a good monitor and the micro panel what would you pick i'll go with the micro panel i'll get a you know lg ul 600 on ebay for 2 300 bucks as a matter of fact i'm selling one right now on ebay so i'll i'll pick one up uh put it on a credit card if i don't have money and then i'll go and get a micro panel because i promise you it, it, again another flex like this panel right here it makes no sense right 30 grand for a freaking stupid panel like just an extra few buttons and knobs like what why it made me a 10 times better colorist maybe it's just me maybe other people are just ninjas with their laptops and blah 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 but this panel like where you just stop thinking and you start playing like it's like a piano you just start playing you just you're not thinking like you're doing things like things are just happening and it's just magically you know happening on the screen like you know let's take a little bit of like the hint of like that green in the midtones like let's add some red in the highlights like you're doing all this micro changes all these things just like barely even looking you're just going so that right there you have to build muscle memory it takes time you can't just do it you know any day every day like i'll pick it up like i'll get a better monitor today and then two years down the road i'll get a panel and then i'll go from there Uh, I shared that story with you guys many times before but one of my mentors it was literally was a life-changing advice when I talked to him and he told me he's like I see something in you about color you should take it seriously and I'm like okay well I am like what do you mean and he's like invest in a panel and that's back in the day where I I swear I was literally making $1800 a month and I picked up a $1500 Avid color co- Avid colorist um 
Avid Artist Color. I'm sorry. Avid Artist Color. I picked up that panel. It was $1,400. Bucks. I bought it uh, off of B&H, so you don't have to pay taxes back in the day. Now you have to have their credit card to not pay taxes, but before you can just buy it and not pay taxes. So I got the micro panel or, or the Avid Color, and it was the best investment of my entire life. Like, I swear to you, it just opened me up to so many opportunities, not to mention when you're a freelancer, you go to gigs, you bring that thing with you, you set up your shop, just the street cred right there helped. And um, then they can just see like, you know, what you're about, what you're doing. And it's just, you got to invest in yourself if you want to be a professional. If you want to be a handyman, you got to invest in getting the right tools. I mean, this is no different. You have to make some investments, micro panel, over the monitor first, and then eventually upgrade the monitor. All right, so let's talk about this too really quick. And this is uh, from my bro, Marvin. Uh, how important is working out of out to your lifestyle and how does it affect the process of grading for you? I'm going to see this question as like, maybe you're referring to when I was away from my setup and I was using a laptop on the road and grading. Uh, how was that like? And for me, I'm too much of a diva. It's really hard. It's really difficult. As a matter of fact, I've turned down so many gigs that were coming in. Uh, that's just a personal thing because multiple things were happening. One, I'm there for my mom not to make money and not to do my business on the side. I was literally there available when she wakes up to help her get up all those things. So I was there for that. So I wanted to be hundred percent there. And two, um, it, it just, it's too clunky. It's too difficult for somebody who's been on the other side, who's got a taste for like all this nonsense um, that's in my studio. So it's like, once you get used to that, it's just really impossible to break out of it and then just go on a little five inch screen on a laptop, which I told you guys, I do not support or like Apple screens. Um, they just have a weird, they're on the cooler side, like magenta-ish blue all over, like smeared all over their iMacs, MacBook Pros, all of that. And I just don't like it. Like it just, it's not right. It's not accurate. It never looks right. I even slapped, um, X-Ride on it, calibrated it, still doesn't get rid of it 100%. I, I put it to Rec. 709 uh, in the Mac display profile instead of P3. It still doesn't, I don't like it. Like, so I don't feel comfortable or confident grading a project on that. I would do like the regular grades, which I did, like just, you know, putting out looks, but which is also very funny. If you guys go and look at my recent post, they're, they have the least amount of engagement like none of the st good stuff is happening because I was literally creating these looks with multiple nodes on a laptop and I was just kind of stuck with that screen. So it's like I didn't have all these things that I do to put out a look and then upload it to Instagram. So that kind of thing, you know, it matters to me. How can I find the info about calibrating my LG OLED? If you have a new OLED, like say C10, which is what I recommend you guys should have. So if you have, if you have the LG OLED C10, there's a mode called Filmmaker, done. Otherwise, you have to get this probe by Kalman. It's called C6 HDR 2000. It's about seven, 800 bucks. Then you have to get the LG app. It's about 145, 150 bucks. It's called LG Home from Kalman, you can get it. And then you can just go through and it will take you through like step-by-step step how to calibrate your screen. I did that for all my screens in the house. And the difference between filmmaker mode and the calibrated screen is 
negligible. Like, you can't tell the difference. So, like, the filmmaker mode, they absolutely destroyed it. They killed it. And this is a standard thing that they're creating. You know, like how when you're watching something on Netflix, it kicks into Dolby Vision or it kicks into whatever, like HDR 10? Well, Filmmaker is supposed to be that thing. It's a, it's a standardized, you know, thing that's going to go to all the TVs. So regardless of if you have Panasonic, Sony, LG, Samsung, doesn't matter. All the TVs eventually will have this mode that's going to put you in this movie mode, which is going to give you the most accurate colors out of that panel. So filmmaker mode, how to overcome easily if we are facing losses again and again. And that is tough. And that does not matter if you're, you know, on top of the world, whatever is happening, because everybody experienced losses, right? Like Elon Musk, you know, faces his losses when his stocks dip and he's not the richest man in the world, right? I feel those losses when, you know, FCM sales drop because now I'm gone, like I'm away, I'm doing something and I can't be here 100% and all of a sudden I see this nosedive, like the sales are just crazy. So you're just like, whoa, like, was it a hoax? Was it real? Like, do I have like any skills? Like you start to question all these things that happens to everybody, everybody, like I feel like if we just sit down and listen to freaking Taylor Swift, she'll say the same thing. Kanye will say the same thing. Jay-Z, like it just happens to everybody. So what you need to do is stop that doubt voice. Like that guy who's poisoning your brain or girl inside your head, you got to stop that. Just choke that person out and just be like, no, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. That's it. I don't know any other way. It's like, you know, burn the ship mentality, right? I mean, that's it. That's all you got to do. Just go in and do it. That's all I'm going to say because that's what I do. Like anytime I'm in that situation, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to be naive. I'm going to be stubborn. I'm going to be stupid. I'm going to go all in and let the chips fall where they may. It's so crazy that uh, in our master class, we have a thing that we do, which is a FCM challenge. So every week I give you an agenda, I give you an assignment, you all do it, you turn it in, and then I go in and I rate it. And then I put out a feedback video explaining everybody like, you know, what they could have done better, blah, blah, blah. What's really funny is that in, in my freelance colorist masterclass, it's a family. I try to be one-on-one -on -one with people. I try to do voice messages and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. There is no BS third person in the middle and I'm above it all. Like none of that happens here. So what's really funny is that anytime I'm live and all the FCM fam, especially the people that are part of the challenge, it's just crazy. It, it just like Nick is just wrote like it's the best thing. It's, it makes it such a family, like Dalen is on now. It just makes it such a real tangible thing that once COVID is over, I genuinely want to do like a retreat and bring as many people out that can, fly out. We rent like some freaking mansion somewhere up on a hill and we just hang out because we know each other. Like it just, it's just such a true blessing. And on that note, guys, this was amazing. This was a lot of fun. I want you guys, Gabby, Theron, hell yeah. All right. I want you guys to uh, keep going, stay consistent, keep pushing, and do, do not forget about all the things that we mentioned here. Go through this video again if you need to. Give all that a try, and I promise you, if you had any issues with an eye, you know, eye fatigue or whatever, grading, 
uh, not anymore. All right, until next time, much love. And guys, thank you so much for sticking around till the end. Please leave a five-star review and make sure you're following this channel. I will see you in the next episode.